After today, like, no one actually puts any effort into any of the work that they do when they go to work. Right. You're kind of like a high school kid on a senior year, and you don't want to, like, do anything those last couple of weeks. Like, we didn't know how to act last week because we had a holiday party, and literally no one did anything for, for the first four hours of work because they were so hyped to get to the holiday party. It's yeah. obviously a great start for another great week, and we want to say thank you to everybody who listened to episode number 18. That was amazing. We had so much feedback for episode 18. Thank you so much, everybody. I loved the input of the guys. It was great seeing everyone, by the way, or via, you yeah, know, via this the, time. the internet. Yeah. <laughs> via the internet and things like that. It's been a long time, and the conversation was great. I had to go back and revisit 444. Like, it put me in that mood to go back and visit the True. album and listen to it and dive deep into it a little bit. But it was a great episode and I enjoyed it. I, and I also have so much. And I'm honestly, guys, we really appreciate when you guys give us feedback because a lot of people gave us feedback in a lot of ways. Like, my friends started sending me screenshots of opinions that people had. Like, we're not going to get offended if you can improve the podcast. If you guys see something that you know that you love that we do and we don't do it enough, let us know. If you guys notice that at times we, you know, we kind of bore you guys with that type of topic, let us know. Like, we are the voice of the people, so tell us what you want, okay? That's what Messy Mothers is for. We're here to entertain you. So just let us know. Feedback is important and it's a gift and we appreciate it. And those of you who want to follow us, go on Messy Mondays Podcast on that Instagram, guys. Okay? Messy Mondays Podcast on Instagram because that's how you guys are going to get all of the details, the news, what's coming up, the flyers. We need your following. We need you to like our stuff. Please, and we're gonna, we promise we're going to be a little bit more active on it as well, so you guys can be entertained. But follow that, follow me at S-H-O-M-I underscore E-N-C, and follow Miss Mar at love, M-A-R-L-Y at underscore at Instagram. So make sure to follow us, guys, okay? That's right. And also, our YouTube, we have Messy Mondays Podcast, our Twitter, Messy Mondays Podcast, and email us at any time with any of your messy stories at MessyMondaysPod at gmail.com. Subscribe as well on youtube for sure but guys this episode of course we're not gonna let this episode go by without being a super dope episode because obviously if it's the last episode of 2017 you know it's gonna be dope (laughs) we gotta make it right we have another special guest and it's a great way to round up and end our 2017 and leading into the new year with positivity with motivation with just putting ourselves in great strive so what we want to do for 2018 so if you want to introduce our guests that'd be great yes i am so so proud of saying that we have the one and only mr j hatch for those of you who are in that world that producer world that music world that hustle world you've heard of mr j hatch and how dope is it that he's actually here at the podcast welcome to the podcast I'm live, I'm live. thank you for having me 
Absolutely. And for those of you who follow him on Instagram, it's at Mogul Status. If you're not following him, follow him right now. So while you're listening to the podcast, you guys can familiarize yourselves with Mr. J. Hatch because you guys still haven't been up on game. With that being said, (laughs) he's done many podcasts, so he's not new to the podcast world. So he's definitely going to show us a little bit about his journey and we're going to ask him a few questions we're going to dive in and you know me and mar got some questions that might make him a little uncomfortable Uh Uh the first question is this is this your first lady podcast since you've been into the other podcasts are we the first women first ladies you visiting actually first like all female cast podcast hey that's right we love it we love it but this right here this man for those of you who would like to know a little background this is a native new yorker who has been living out of his suitcase for the past 15 years so i'm gonna introduce him with that and he's gonna put us on a little bit about what he is and what he has accomplished for himself yeah what's up y'all my name is jay hatch uh co-founder of a company called i standard basically been doing about 100 events a year for music producers and creators for the last um 13 years doing this We've helped a lot of producers, uh, you know, get to the next level in terms of, you know, getting that big placement, you know, working with some major artists, getting some big publishing deals. Um, we also do a program called Beat Camp where we bring in, uh, you know, some of the biggest names in production and teach some of the younger creators on how to get better at their craft, how to network, how to brand themselves. Um, I manage, uh, I, was, I was recently managing uh, Focus from Aftermath, one of Dr. Dre's producers. <clears throat> he's um, he's out in LA now, so I'm just kind of consulting him. But I manage a great songwriter producer by the name of Cadence, who's worked with Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato. Uh, she's got Cassie's new single coming out in about two weeks called "Don't Play It Safe." Look out for that. Uh, kid named Valley, who's a musician, producer, singer. He just played on Rick Ross's last album on Scientology record, and I also manage a uh, pop duo by the name of Sexy Drops. Um, wow. Producers, they're uh, they also work with Rick Ross, uh, Dave Loaf, Ty Dolla Sign. So, um, you know, basically just kind of in the producer, you know, area. But I've also recently wrote a book called How I Left My Job and Made in the Music Industry. You know, I've been lucky to say that I've been doing this thing every day for the last uh, 16 years of my life, but I haven't to go nope. work for anybody else but me. I'm the boss. Um, but uh, you know, it's fun. I love what I do, and I'm surrounded by great people that help me. You know, look good. So. What was the job that you left previously before starting, or like, what was the industry that you were in first? Like, was it an industry change, or was it like a full on like? Um, no, it was a, it was a complete industry change. I was actually a, a regional manager for Arrow Postal, and I used to manage about eighteen stores. So yeah. it was like four hundred million dollars worth of inventory, like sixty managers I had to communicate with all the time, traveling from like Vermont to middle of New York almost every week, fly to Vermont, drive back down, fly to Vermont, drive back down. You know, and then I just I was in music prior to that. I was actually a, a rapper many moons ago. No way, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I have no bars for you, so I'm not gonna ask. Um, some fire. <laughs> and I was uh, I was managed by Slick Rick's DJ Vance Wright, and I had a chance to like really see like the '90s, you know, era hip hop, like with a front front row seat, and um, built a lot with like the P Rock and CL Smooth, Nice and Smooth, um, Dead Prez, like a lot of these guys I knew before they really popped off, and um, you know. After long story short, it wasn't my calling. Right, right. Not not, yeah. not because of my choice, but something that happened professionally uh, with my manager. So I went to go work for Arrow, and I like literally, I got promoted like eighteen times in eight years, making like six dollars an hour to like six figures. You know, right. and one day, you know, I woke up and I just realized I didn't love what I was doing. You know, I, I was working like one hundred and twenty hours a week, 
I was managing some of the biggest stores. I had the home store for the company. I had the, the store that they did like the, the floor plan in. Uh, any given time, the president, vice president, any chair could walk in. But I still had to maintain this amazing, you know, uh, quality level per se. You know what I mean? So it was very stressful. But one day I just woke up and I was like, man, you know, I really love music. And you know, at the time I was I was 29 and no kids, no major debt. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. Now's the time. And I, and I haven't looked back since. So Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you sound, first of all, very busy. I'm very busy. Sounds busy. Because yeah. you listed an array of things at that point. <laughs> it was like a laundry and that's list not even the it's not even the, the type of the iceberg, really. But anyway. Right. But I think the most interesting part of it all is that you kind of got disappointed when you didn't make it as an artist, right? Mm. But you kind of still went back to the game, even though the game probably didn't treat you the right way. Like, when did you, like, because I feel like this is really good advice for a lot of people who are trying to make it, let's say, as an artist. Mm -hmm. I can speak from, you know, personal experience that you meet people in your life, and for the past 10 years, they've been trying to make it. And you don't want to be rude and say, hey, you know, it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Time to let go. Right, time to right. go or realize, like you said, it's not your calling. It's not your, right. you know, it's not your destiny. Like, how did you, first of all, have the maturity to say I'm walking away, and then second of all, when you came back to the game that did you dirty, you know what I'm saying? That was two different mindsets mm-hmm. you had right there. Yeah, well, it's funny because uh, Biggie ruined my rap career. Biggie Smalls. What? Biggie Smalls. And okay. I'll tell you the story because it's a funny story. <laughs> Um, Explain. So, y'all know that, remember that song, um, Biggie, 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 Can't You See? Yeah, yeah Hypnotize, yeah. That comes from a song that's like Rick did. You know, Ricky, 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 Can't You See? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened was, is Puff went to go see uh, Slick Rick, who was in jail at the time. And they couldn't clear the vocals. Was that because of his immigration thing? No, it had to do with uh, him and his brother, altercation. Oh, okay. okay. So he was in jail, and Puff wanted to clear this without having to go through the publishing company, because they wouldn't clear it. And then when Rick was in jail, they couldn't get in contact with him. So he went to the jail and basically told Rick, I'm going to give you $100,000 and buy your publishing out. And Rick needed money. He was coming out of jail. So he took the money. What happened, though, was is that Rick didn't write it. My manager wrote it. Vince oh. Wright wrote that Ricky, 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 can't okay. you see? Yeah. So when he found out that Puff paid him and then Rick wouldn't cut him in, he like went through this midlife crisis. Cause he was trying, he was like holding out for him for so long. So when I showed up at the studio, there was like this pink slip up on the door and it said studio closed till further notice. <gasps> I didn't I didn't talk to him for almost ten years after that. I had no closure on my career. I didn't know what so was going on. So basically you just paid the consequence for this guy having an emotional breakdown. Yeah, basically. Wow. So I was I was in this you know, just I had to make a decision at that point. Like I was going so hard. I was like working three jobs. In the studio till like five o'clock in the morning, sleeping on the couch, getting up, doing the same thing, coming back, sleeping, you know. And I loved doing it. I, I was so passionate about it. But after two or three years of doing that, and then this person walking away so quickly, I felt like I had to. I just had to take a break. You know what I mean? So I took a break for almost eight years. Do you talk? Do you talk to this guy or no? We talk like maybe like once a year. I'll text him, say what's up. But for ten years, and there was a lot going on behind the scenes with the co-managers and the studio, and there was a lot going on at the time. But when this happened. You know, I felt like I had to walk away. And I came back, you know, my father had passed away. And I realized, I was like, you know, if, if you if you want to do something that you love and you feel like it's your time, you got to take advantage of it. So what I did was I had a stock option that the company gave me. And I bought into my cousin's business. So I had some residual income coming in. And uh, that was like my salary, per se, you right. know, every so often. And then I just put a certain amount of money into, into my business. And right off the bat, we ended up having about like 50 songs placed on MTV. 
played on like over 129 different countries. Wow. Um, so, you know, we, we kept the lights on, but then eventually my artist that I was managing went to jail. So I had all these trials and tribulations along <laughs> the way, and um, I had to realize, like, what is it that I'm good at? What do I do? What do I do good at? How am I going to make this money? Right. That was just money out, money out, money out. So uh, I started doing showcases. Because when I was working for Arrow, one of the things that I was really good at, they'd hire me for, is to put together all the conferences for the company. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So I said, I can do this here. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to all these shows. The sound sucks. You know, uh, nobody shows up. Like, the industry people that are supposed to judge are not there. Right, right. So it's said, not organized. I, right. So I said, I have to make all of these weaknesses my strengths. Right. And that's what I did. And I helped, you know, Chrisette Michelle get her deal with Island Def Jam through my event. And that's kind of like when all these shows started to blow up in a whole different fashion. So was that the first moment that kind of opened doors for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was always a relationship person. You know, I always valued networking off the, off the bat. You know, I always knew, like, when I went to events and networking events that I had to talk to everybody. I used to go to conferences and, like, you know, take a notepad and, like, just pass it up all the aisles. Now I have over 200,000 email addresses because of that. Wow. So, like, I, I foresaw all these things were going to happen. This is, and this is pre, like, the digital era we're talking now. Right. We're talking yeah. pre MySpace era. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know... It, it got to the point where I had to make a decision on what it was that I wanted to do. And once I started doing showcases, that's when it all started to... People started looking at me. I didn't have to chase them anymore. Right. You know, they would come to my event. Like, oh, who's the next producer? Who's the next, right. you know, whatever. You so, started building credibility. Oh, yeah. A lot. And that was the game plan. Because right. I had an artist that was in my event. And his manager approached me and said, hey, how would you feel about doing this for, for like, producers? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, you come up with some ideas. I'll come up with some ideas. Let's meet up in about a month. We literally handed each other the same piece of paper, and we knew it was going to be, you know, it was going to be crazy from the top. So it's been, since day one, it's been a roller coaster ride. Wow. Fast one. I mean, no, that's, once again, that sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like you're very busy, you have a lot on your plate. I mean, at this time, when you decided to write your book, was it after you had all these years of experience, or was that also part of your master plan, since you are a forward thinker? Were you saying, you know what, it will be dope if I documented this and I made a book? You know, I didn't, though. That was the funny part about it. I was dating somebody at the time, and they were like, you know, you have all this wealth of knowledge, and you can't really be everywhere at once when you try to be. You know, and she said, like, why don't you just write a book about your, your journey, your story? And the crazy part was is that, as simple as an idea as it was, like, I have so many experiences. So I wanted to tell people how I left my job and made it. And when I say made it, I don't mean, like, I'm rich or... You know, I got buildings and shit like that, but I, I'm rich in knowledge, I'm rich in relationships, I'm rich in experience, you know. That's valuable, all of those too. Things, yeah, and all those things really play into my, my future successes as I move forward. But uh, the book was just kind of like, all right, let me try it. So every time I get on a plane, I'd open up my laptop, open up a Google document, I just started typing. And I told this story to where it was like, I don't even know how the book is going to start. Right. But what I did was I took all these little antidotes that I always talk about, like no plan B and create leverage and, you know, mm-hmm. build it and they will come, like all these different things. And I started taking pieces of the story and like putting it underneath these headlines and little by little it started to like form, format. And I'm like, right. okay, this is pretty good. And when I gave it to my editor, she was like, you never wrote a book before. And I'm like, nah, she's like, this is amazing. It's fucking amazing. Like you should write books. And I was like. All right, let's just start with the first one and see what happens. Another thing that Jay Hatch is going to do <laughs> yes, now. Yes, He's going to be thing. an actual writer of children's books. Yes. <laughs> How to make beats. You uh, know produce, what I mean? How to make Christmas beats. Christmas stories. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, it was exciting because it, it was you know, something where I pushed myself to a different place where maybe I, I didn't feel as comfortable as I would have normally did. I had somebody helping me with it. 
And, you know, a lot of times when you have an idea or you have some sort of, you know, grandiose, you know, vision, sometimes bringing other people in to, to help out is, right. is great. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Do you? Go ahead, Laura. Um, no, it was my question. Was like, do you really believe that, like, and, and one of the things that you've mentioned, I, I've noticed that it was like a no plan B kind of action, or like you've had no plan B when there was transitioning into this new industry and this new direction you wanted to go. Do you believe that no one should have a no plan B or did, were you just not prepared with a plan B? No, I'm, I'm a, I'm an advocate of putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, and the reason being is because when you, you know, a lot of people try to do too much, you know, and they don't realize that you can't put a hundred percent on five different things. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to put all your time and effort into what you really believe and what you're passionate about. And then once you've mastered that and you've built a process and you've built a team and you've built some sort of like, you know, infrastructure, then you can move on and do something else and be great at that. And that's why I'm able to write a book, do 100 events a year, manage four major clients. I have great people and I have a great structure and I'm all about process. But I believe that if you're like, if you say that you're going to be, like I I told myself, I'm never going to go back to work for anybody else. I'm going to make my mark in this music industry. Now, maybe I thought I was going to be a rapper at one point. Even though I didn't make it as a rapper, I stayed in the music industry and I stayed doing what I said I was going to do. So even that... That no plan B is very broad because you could just, it could be something as simple as I'm going to be an A&R one day. Maybe one day you're not an A&R, mm-hmm. you become a marketing person at a label. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means that you had a different path within your current path. You know? Or sometimes you don't really know what you're good at until you right. get into the industry 100%. and see what mm-hmm. your niche is. I, I believe that too. Just because, like I never thought I would have wrote a book. You, know, right. you just never know where it's going to go. So. Right, but clearly you're good with words if you've always wanted to be a lyricist of some kind. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I can see how the two talents may cross paths, mm-hmm. right? Because you know how to express yourself. Yeah. That's what it takes to write a song, is expressing your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I can see how how it's possible that maybe you had a talent you didn't even know was yeah. there. Yeah, true. That's pretty That's cool. That's a great connection I mean, between the two. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. I like that are, are like, In my opinion, I also feel like people who do music are kind of like actors. Yeah, definitely. Right? Like, they have that talent because they kind of become whatever they're talking about at that right. time. And the performance, the what you have to put on stage and how you have to present yourself, that's all an acting and face because you have to be presentable in front of people at all times. So that definitely has that tied in. So, like, the young you, because that, that's something I can say. Like, I know I've always had a creative spirit. I just didn't know how to always channel it. So I've always tried different things, different adventures, and, yeah. you know, one of those creativity <clears throat> things are being channeled through the podcast. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that me and my partner have in common is that we have a creative gene that this is our way of channeling it out. Right. When you were younger and you were going through that stage and you were saying, hey, should I go to college and should I get a corporate job? Should I work on Wall Street? You know, that's what you kind of grow up knowing in New York. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to make money, go work down there. You know right, what I'm right. saying? So it's like, when did you realize that you were different? It's a good question. Um, I was a big dancer, believe it or not, when I was younger. Okay. Um, like we had like these lip sync contests at school, and like you know we'd have like these dance battles and stuff. It was like back in the day, like house music, and so I realized that I was really good at dancing, believe it or not. And I danced for a freestyle artist by the name of Suave. Okay. Um, a song called "Crying Over You" it was really big back then. I know what song. That yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What song? Um, I have to Google it now. It sounds yeah, familiar. But I can't sing. I'm gonna like destroy my listeners right now. <laughs> but it's like it's a really cool song. I'm gonna look it up. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and you know, once I started getting the attention and the notoriety from just being in a in a in a 
you know, on a group, on a stage, doing something that people looked up and, and liked and paid attention to, I realized that I liked being in the limelight. You got, you got addicted to you got the got addicted. <laughs> However, the, the great part about what I do is I can, I can be in the limelight, but I could also Play move, the background? move very swiftly behind the scenes. Okay. So I'm able to do a lot, you know, and I think by me managing all those stores and being able to, you know, handle all of that responsibility and keep it so organized, it helped me almost like a unofficial checklist of how to you know take what I learned over like this management you know portion of my life and apply it to what I was doing because there's no like there's no like fucking checklist to, to being an entrepreneur you know like there's no like okay this is how you're gonna start a company you're gonna do this first and that first it's all trial and error you know everything comes down to experiences right and I've always been big on that that's why I didn't, I didn't want to go to school I didn't want to go to college I went to college for like a semester and a half maybe and I just realized I didn't want to I didn't want to go to school and sit there and learn I wanted to go out and learn myself right I know I know that we should not be saying this right now because you're supposed to support education but college isn't for everybody not anymore no it's not and it's not especially not anymore and some people don't learn that way unfortunately you know what I'm saying like some people you know how many people that I have gone to school with that are just really good at taking tests mm-hmm but, like, if you have an actual conversation with this person, it's like, what's going on? Look this at, person is not an intelligent person. Look They're at the just president. really good at taking tests. Look at the president. Perfect example. Right. He's good at talking at, at talking and getting where he and needs to get. Up, right. But he may not I don't be think it's good at talking. the most natural, <laughs> sharp human. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. Like, I've interacted with many people that are highly educated and that aren't very intelligent people. Right. So I don't think college is for everybody. No, to mention too a lot, of, you know, a lot of our parents, my generation's parents, like they, um, you know, they went to college. You know, they they were kind of I don't want to say forced, but it was part of like the family's history. Like, oh, I went to college. My father went to college. You're going to college. But now the generation that <coughs> kind of came after mine are more like business people oriented. They're more about the internet. They're more about <coughs> self entrepreneurial shit. You know, they they talk about these things in school now too. They didn't talk about that stuff when I was going to school. You know, you didn't learn how to start your own business. Now you can take a class to start your own business. You can go on YouTube and read something or, or watch something that'll teach you, you know, certain skills. The internet. Yeah, alone. The internet yeah. has broadened the capacities that people have to a level that's unimaginable. Right. Mm-hmm. We're talking about there's poor children that all they have is Wi-Fi and they're creating apps and they're becoming millionaires. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this is a completely different right world that we're living in right now plus there's no security in, in like a, an education anymore like you could have an education and it doesn't mean you're gonna get a job anymore you know that's true back in the day like you came out of college you got a B, you know phd or whatever you got or masters and like you were like a step ahead now like you said people are starting their own companies and starting their own businesses like you don't necessarily need that incredible education anymore. but there's still a part of me that believes that people should become educated yeah, and like i feel like even though a lot of things I studied in college, I probably do not use on a regular basis. Mm. I want to say 75% of what I learned in college, I don't mm. use it on a regular basis. But what I can say, the way that it expanded my mind mm. to prepare myself to absorb additional information that's outside of my realm, mm. I got that from college. And so I, That I can say. Like, it kind of helps you expand the way that you think. Yeah, and I think sometimes even those entrepreneurs are looking for people who are educated, who have that background, who have that knowledge to help them out and in whatever their business is or to help expand themselves and to help continue the business in some way. Because if you notice that, they start hiring people 
who have been in the education system who have some sort of knowledge to support whatever their business is. That's how I see it. I mean, and I'm lucky enough that I'm in a business in a place where I actually use what I've, you know, what I went to school for, for my master's program and stuff like that, and actually apply it to work and actually use it as strategies and things like that. So it all depends sometimes on the direction and where you're going, and I guess in in work-wise, in the industry that you're working in. But I do think if I was in my 20s now, uh, or had the option to go to college, I would probably be more in the entrepreneurial, you know, direction, you know, at this time and this time and place with all the internet and stuff like that than the full college experience. I think that I always knew deep down inside that I was meant to be an entrepreneur. Do you agree with that? Because I feel that yeah. way. Like I always felt like I feel like it has to be within you. It has to be a part of who you are. It can't be something that you fall into. I feel like the truest most successful people that we look up to right now that are entrepreneurs are because they're true hustlers. Like, they've, yeah, they've yeah. done it. You know what I'm saying? And they work so hard that it's like, even if you're not the best, your work was so fucking on point that that's why you are where you are. You know right. what I'm saying? And it's like, that's what I really love about people who who took that extra step to make it and to make themselves relevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it really just comes down to how bad did you want it? Mm. You know what I'm saying? That you really tried your best. Because most of the people that make it are just people who work really hard. It's also about consistency. Right. Like, people don't realize that sometimes if you're just there and you stick around, like you could outlast people that might be more skillful than you or other other opportunities might arise, but you're just you're there. It happens in the music industry every day. Like all these assistant A&Rs and the VP of A&Rs were at one point interns that just stuck around because their boss left. They moved yeah. up. They were in the right place at the right time, you know, and they just ended up getting a, a bigger job based on the fact they were just consistent. They did whatever it took. They were the first one in, last one out. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they were savages, so that they stayed with, you know, stayed with the company. And you have to make sure you're in a company that does have that space to grow right, right. also. Because I've been in situations where I've worked somewhere for a year and I'll be like, well, there's nowhere else from here. Right, the growth. Right? That's true. Like, I'll look and be like, okay, there's only two more people above me, and they're both maybe about five years older than me. There's nowhere else to go from here right now, because I don't see this person leaving or moving. So, it's time for me to move on and find my next step. Like, you know what, Marty? That's smart, because you have to learn how to recognize that. And what happens a lot is that people become very complacent with their current situation, and they don't want to be realistic and say, you know what, there's no room for me here, and let's move forward. And they waste a lot of time doing the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. But with that being said, I actually do want to segue into a really important topic, you know, to ask you from your experiences. Um, what advice do you give, like, for example, it's not a secret that a lot of times, and I can say from personal experiences, like, women have to use their sexuality to get attention, right? Like, you either have to be highly attractive or, like, highly over-sexualized or, like, super comfortable. Like, you always have to be an extreme of something. For females, sometimes in a male-driven industry, because mm-hmm. this is a male-driven industry, let's be honest. Um, like, it's that's their way in sometimes. But you've since you've been around long enough, like, what's the downfall in that? Because right now, all women have examples of is women are making it from looking fake, from being sexualized, from being sex trophies and getting pregnant. Like, that's what's on TV right now. That's what little girls are looking up to. Like, is it smart to use the sexuality card and be like, you know what, this is to my advantage, 
but what is really the downfall? You know what I mean? It's crazy because I mean, you obviously being a woman, that's your thought on the whole thing. Me being a man and just maybe being a respectable man is like I don't I don't feel that way. Like I don't feel like a woman should have to do anything more than just work hard like anybody else to get to where she needs to be. I think we just see these things because social media plays such a huge role in like our how we receive information. Like it's more about perception is reality. So you're not gonna see the maybe semi-attractive woman who busted her ass for four years and beat out, you know, certain men to get to where she is. You just won't you don't see that on, on social media. You're not gonna mm-hmm. see that on TV. That's not the storyline people want to see. They want to see the the beautiful woman who curbed all these men and all of a sudden she's the new CEO of the company. But then you're going to talk about it because she's hot. And maybe she did something to get there. I just, I don't, I, personally, I don't know if it's just how I was brought up, but I don't, I don't think it, that's how it should be. And I never, I don't ever treat women any differently. When even we have like female producers on the stage, I said, I know she's a female. She's a female producer, but she's also a producer. You know right. what I'm saying? She's like, a let's, producer first. Yeah, let's, let's like, let's take away those stereotypes. It's just horrible. I'm not a big fan of of any of that. However, I have seen the the bigger problem is sometimes is when people like if you meet an attractive woman and they're nice to you, you know, at a show or an event or networking, right. the guy's automatic thought is that this female likes them, right? Because right. you have to realize that. But that's not bizarre. It's not. Well, it's not bizarre because it's also you know business <laughs> and personal are very close more now than ever because if you don't succeed in business, it affects you personally. And personally, if you're not doing well, it might affect your business. So everything True. now is so transparent, True. and you know there's, there's no more blurred lines with it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I think like you just have media. to be respectable. You have to be respect people and how you want to be respected. And also remember, everybody's got everybody had a mother. Like that's another thing too. Like people don't realize like you got like, <laughs> okay. You let's, got a mom. let's circle back to being nice and guys assuming that that right. means that let's let's get it in. You feel me? It's like if you're just being friendly. And you're like, hey, that, you did a really good job. I think you're very talented. Yeah. I like what you do. That doesn't mean automatically, men that are listening, that doesn't mean automatically I would like to sleep with you. I'm just no. giving you a from your perspective or I'm, from the guy's perspective? I'm telling you as a woman, that right, doesn't course. make any sense. No. Like, especially nice. especially no. we're in the conversation of business or in a place of business or in a place right. of yeah. networking. Or, or, and I've, I know what you're talking about, too. Like, I've have been in that conversation also where you're just in this place of socializing and conversation and trying to network, and it can be taken and misconstrued as something as, you know, you're getting home. someone's number or, or a date or something like that, and you're just like, no. But also, it depends on when where it's happening, too. Like, in this environment, we're usually at the club. We're usually right. at a studio. We're usually somewhere where maybe it's not so... Formal. Formal. You know, Formal. if I met you and you're wearing a, a work dress and, you know, <laughs> flats and you get your hair in a bun and you're, you know, I might not think that, okay, if she smiles at me, she's, but we're in a club. But she might be the one trying to fuck you. I, I, the one I in the understand. bun with I the flats. I know. That's cool because I have no problem with that. I'm just saying, like, you don't sometimes realize that just being in somebody's presence and how you communicate and how that can affect the bigger picture. You know what I'm saying? And again, with social media, it's like, I feel like we're always, you know, we're all day, we're just... Swiping, swiping in every direction, and we want to love everybody else's life but our own. You know, like we we follow Kim K's, the Khalids, the Beyonces, the Jay Z's, the you know Nikki Heatons, and we look at them and we're like, oh my God, their their life is amazing. Right. But we don't realize that our life's amazing too in our own way. And you got to celebrate the small successes along the way. Like you can't just want to shoot to the top. You know, and that's another big big problem with a lot of new and upcoming you know 
entrepreneurs and even you know creators they want to be the best they could be now right they gotta you know they fear being patient because they feel like either their time's gonna run out or right but you know i don't know i look at things a little bit differently don't get me wrong like you know i love meeting attractive women you know it's just just, i I don't i don't just i just try not to disrespect like that i don't know i think that it's still not there where like you said like you have to sometimes do a little extra when you introducing a female producer you kind of have to remind people she's a producer and it's like to me that demonstrates that there's still room and there's room for growth still we can say that safely yeah but it's also education too i think people just don't hear it that way sometimes they look at it like oh why aren't there more female producers doing the shows you know, like, okay, that's a good point to make, but maybe because they feel intimidated, maybe because they feel like they can't compete, maybe you don't, you don't treat them like an equal. You know, Are so there you gotta women educate everybody a little bit and make sure that they understand that it is a playing field for everybody. Are there women producers? Um, there's a lot of them, yeah. That are relevant. Um, there's a lot of female mix engineers that are. There aren't a lot of female producers that are really out here making big rap. I mean, there's like Wonder Girl, um, Yaya on the beat. There's, there's, there's definitely some out there, but there, and again, it might be the situation. You know, yeah. sometimes a female producer in the studio with 30 dudes, you know, it's a little intimidating. You know what I'm right. saying? So that's why your team is important, the relationships you have are important, how you conduct yourself is important. And I'll just say this one last thing. I was, I was speaking on a, um, a panel about, about five years ago about like just the music industry, but there was this one female like empowerment panel. And the host, this guy named um, something Powell, whatever, there was five women on the, on the panel. They were all high executives up there in the music industry. And then he brings his co-host, this female, to come sit on the panel. The first questions he asks is, so, do you think, do you think females need to suck dick to get to the top? Wow. Good God. Now, you're talking about like... Verbatim. He said Verbatim. That. You're talking about like the president of Koch Records, like... The president of Sirius Satellite Radio. That was pretty classic. And she jumps on the question. She's like, well, we just got to make sure it's the right dick. Okay. This is exactly oh. how she said it. And then it just erupted. These women were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you serious? Like, that's that's what you think? That is probably why you're still, you know, over here doing this. Like, when we're over here running million dollar companies. Wow. Like, she's like, well, no, like, you know, to get ahead, you know, you got you to gotta do whatever it takes. And I'm like, there's a lot of things you can do. To get ahead, right. doing whatever it takes to not have to do that. You right. know what I mean? So, And to be honest with you, I think that another thing that we have to start acknowledging, that men are doing the same thing. And 100%. they're exploiting themselves to get higher positions as well. I've heard of male models that sleep with other men to get to the top. I've heard of male actors that have slept with high executive women and men like they do the same thing and they sleep with older women that are way older that have money so they can get hit off so they can make their career so it's not only a female thing anymore like men do that as well they sexualize their worth you know so it's not only a female thing but i think that um there's still a very awkwardness to being a female in that environment mm. there's been times that even when I've been in a studio or like in a radio station I'm one of maybe two other girls and there's like 20 guys in there mm. so it's like you do feel like yo this is should I leave you know what I'm saying like you start thinking to yourself maybe my time is done maybe mm-hmm. I should go home you know what I mean but why, yeah. why do you why do you think that though because number one either I'm I feel like I'm being looked at 
And when it happens in large numbers, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. Because especially when you're like in a position where you're the only one there, you don't have a homegirl there. It's like, damn, you know, this is crazy. That's one. And number two, it's kind of like the energy is different. Yeah. Like the guys are not being the guys, you know, they're kind of like, oh, there's girls here. And like, you're. it's like they're kind of waiting to have guy talk right, once right. you walk out the door. So it's like the boys club, you know, like you don't really. And to me, it's like. There might be a guy in there doing the same thing I'm doing, but because he's part of the boys' club, he's gonna get an opportunity because he stayed there till right, five in the right, morning, right, right, right. drinking yeah. henny with them. And the, you if know you, what I'm saying? If you stay yeah. there till five, it's a whole different thought process. It is because yeah. then one of them thinks I may be trying to smash one of them. Right, you right. feel me? It's different. Yeah. It's yeah. just different. Yeah, you know what's funny? In my and I'm in the corporate world setting where, in our department. All the graphic designers, the marketing, uh, social media, anything, um, the entire department, web, all that stuff is all women, and we have one guy on the team. Hmm. There are 14 women and one man on the entire team. And you would think it would be like different. I would think it would be more of a male role. No. When I say down to the CMO, he is the one, he's not even the CMO. He's just a guy on the team. And that dynamic, he has to remind us, like, hey, don't forget, there's a guy on the team. <laughs> right? Yeah, y'all talk about and we and do. Like, oh, Let's go to the football game. Yeah, so we do forget sometimes that he's not. We don't forget he's there. But, like, we have to remind ourselves there is a man on the team. Right. So I can only imagine in the other flip sense, if, like, you're the one woman in the room, that people are going to be like, there is a woman in the room. Right. Like, there is a girl. Like, you know what I mean? Right. That aspect. Because I find myself and I'm saying, oh, don't forget about him. We got to make sure we have something for him in place. Those kind of things. So it is a different dynamic. But in the corporate world, I do see women moving up a lot. And right. so how you say there was a bunch of women um, executives and things like that, that is... the that. That statement, female is future, female is the future, is a real thing. Because I believe it's a real thing, too. We're, I, I have all plans to be one of those women on that panelist, on that CEO executive level. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think a lot of women are looking to move also, take right. over that whole aspect. I think that a lot of it has to do also with better examples. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's not act as if the Michelle Obama phenomenon that we were able to experience as women growing up is not a big deal you feel me like that was a platform that we've never experienced before it's like wow this person is giving us uh an exact an exact real life person is showing us that this is possible Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying like and that had never happened before and she had the background to fully before that exactly before being the wife Mm-hmm. of the president and she, still, and she still got criticized for all the amazing things she did and, and how well she held herself together by other people yes and she's fully educated fully i mean she no. was in the and corporate she's setting and she's, she's a, a lawyer woman she doesn't ever like you said she doesn't buy into the bullshit yeah. like she just always kept it professional she kept no. it classy she's she's a beautiful example of a woman yeah for sure Definitely. and i feel like we were very privileged to have that so 100%. that did give a lot of women a lot of more bravery to say, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to shoot for that position, even if it's an all-boys club. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we have better examples now. Definitely. And I think that's why probably our parents even encouraged us to go to college or get education or, or to be in a corporate setting and things like that. And she's that example of what it can look like at the end. That, like, kind of, so. Good example on but Michelle. Damn, I miss her. I miss her, too. And if she <laughs> runs, guys... 
Oh, if she runs, Miami is voting the show. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. Like, I'm going to do everything in my power to get this Republican ass part of the country to yeah. be down with Michelle Obama. I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I support you, Miss Obama. I don't think she'll do it. Between her and Oprah, they ain't doing it. <laughs> Oprah is it. That's facts. But I know we still got to make sure to ask um, Mr. Hatch, do you have any experiences where you feel like it has gotten messy for yourself? Like, since this is a messy Mondays, you know what I'm saying? We want to make sure to start to make sure to incorporate the fact that everything is not always peaches and cream. And I'm sure a man that travels as much as you do, he said that he has been living out of his suitcase for 15 years, ladies and gentlemen. So that means in state to state, you visit a lot. Things have had to have happened. So we know we want at least one little juice. A little bit. It don't have to be too crazy. Um, you know, it's funny because even though a lot of stuff has happened there, I feel like a lot of my juicier, messier shit actually happened when I was managing you know, all these stores. So I'll give you, I'll give you a okay. gem on that one. Retail. Like, this, this Hold on. Retail. Retail is messy. Retail is messy. Retail is a hot mess. Yeah, no, so. it's a hot mess. So I used to manage all these stores and, you know, I interview a lot. So I interview a lot of the, you know, store manager positions or assistant. I think I was like a, a I think it was like a, a mini regional. Like I had like three stores when I first got promoted to like regional. And one of the stores needed a manager really bad, so they set up a bunch of interviews, and I just, I was at the Queens Plaza Mall, and I was in interviews in front of the store, and this one girl came up, she was like 10 minutes late, and we spoke for like two and a half hours, like sat in front of the store and just had this interview for two and a half hours. <laughs> okay, wow. So, you know, and it was a great conversation, I mean, at first, I mean, you know, she was an attractive girl, I didn't know how she felt about me, but she was just talking and talking, it was a good conversation, we just kept the conversation going. Made her a job offer. She declined it. And then I ran into her at this other mall maybe like a year later. And she was like, you know, you're still looking for people. And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Ended up hiring her whatever. The first day she was supposed to work, she was sick. She had like the flu or whatever. So I was on my way home. And I was like, hey, you know, you want me to bring you some soup or something? Like, are you, are you? She's like, I'm in bed. I can't move. I'll come bring you soup. Okay. I was just a nice guy. So I bring her, I brought That's her soup. a little more than just Well, I brought her soup. Little, long story short, we ended up starting dating, like, after a oh. year. We started dating. So now I've known a girl for, like, two years. Started dating. She had extreme asthma, this girl. So anytime we get into an argument, anytime we'd have, like, amazing sex, anytime we, anytime anything, like, overexerted, like, she would, like, pretty much have to go to the hospital. Oh, my God. Wow. So... Shit. I don't know what story I want to tell you. There's a couple of juicy stories in here, but... All right, so let's tell the messiest part of the story. Okay. okay. So after a year with this asthma, anytime she used to go into like the subway, she'd you know, feel like she had an asthma attack. So she's like, I need a car. All right, you know, I'll help you. You know, whatever you... What do you want to do? She's like, I want, a, I want a car. I'm like, okay. I'm sending her things to cars. She's like, no, I want a brand new car. Oh. And I'm like, well, your credit... For the asthma? Yeah, I was like, okay. I was like why do you need a brand new car? Why can't I just like a, rent, a, right. a you know, buy a car? No, I need one. And she was, like, real super manipulative and whatnot. So I ended up co-signing a lease for her for a Mitsubishi Galant years ago. Oh, that was, like, the car, though. Yeah, I was, it was low-key. It was the car. That was the car. Um, <laughs> again, long story short, we broke up, and I let her drive the car for, like, six more months because the lease was going to be up or whatever. 
didn't make any payments, got tickets, all kinds of shit. I literally had to go jack the car. Like, I didn't have keys or anything, so I had to, me and my cousin hopped in his car with the little, you know, the thing that opens the car doors up. Yeah, because it just happened to have all the tools. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we, we put a box. We put a box. So I ended up going out there and we broke into the car, and then I ended up taking it back, and it's just messy. The whole thing so you is messy. stole I, the car I, to take. You stole the car to take stole, it back. I stole my car back. You stole your car back. That's what I'm about to and say. And then I let somebody else, my friend Anthony, do the same thing. And then he didn't pay me. So you either I got to hang out with better people or I just need to make better decisions. You were making bad decisions so, back in the day. That's, I that's did that. Just, I mean, there's there's stories within that story. I mean, we were, she was she was a mess, that woman. She was Dominican. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that I'm was, so sorry. I have, like, I have like one really good Dominican. We could have told you not to do that. One Really bad one. So, like, whenever we get in a fight on the phone, and she all of a sudden the phone would drop, and I hear, <gasps> no way. So, I jump in the car, head over the bridge, I show up at the house, and she's just like, kick back, feet up. She was doing it to fuck with you. Yeah, she didn't she even have fuck asthma with like that. With, well, <laughs> she yeah. did it, yo. I swear she did it. <laughs> just like, she wasn't like she that. Have had. Her shit wasn't like she had a little bit of asthma, but she didn't have that kind of asthma. I'm telling you right now. And then, um, the one, the one really messy story was uh, we were having sex, and she had a, a, a um, what is it called? It's um, a cyst, like a, okay, whatever ovarian cyst. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that's very painful. Well, it, yeah. it burst while we were having sex, <gasps> and she was screaming like I was stabbing her with like a twelve-inch knife. Oh my god! And I couldn't understand. I was like, so the, the fucking landlord knocking on the door. I'm like. I don't know. So the paramedics show up and, you know, take wow. her to the hospital. And they're like, Shit. and they didn't know what it was. Nobody knew what it was at the time. And they were like, man, they're like, <laughs> you, must be, you must be packing something. <laughs> you like, destroy I this was bitch. Like, yeah, like I, hey. But it was just, and her mom and her dad were there. It was just fucking. Was oh, messy. my God. Was she was in the hospital for like three days. Wow. No, real shit. I personally have never had one. I hope I never experienced that. But from women who have told me yeah. about that, they said that it shit is. is very painful. Yeah. Plus the thing, it's like, it's acid in there. So it's like built up acid. So it like burns the shit out of there. So you don't want it to burst. And so people have surgery to have it to removed yeah. and things like that. Depending. Like there's all various sizes and various, you know, right. it can and I, Some women go can't through. get pregnant because of it. They have to get mm-hmm. it removed to get pregnant. Mm. That is mm-hmm. painful. That's crazy. Yeah. So that was a messy, 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 messy. Yeah, but I'm glad you're not with her today. Doesn't sound like that was a healthy relationship. Nah, 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 not at all. Doesn't sound that way. Scarred, mentally scarred. Uh, (laughs) From Dominican women? It was traumatic. Yeah. From all Dominican women? I'll tell you off there. There's more stories. (laughs) (laughs) I got them for days. No statute of limitations on them. For real. Another messy story, just to keep us uh, aligned here. Drea Michelle, which we know from Basketball Wives, mm-hmm. and I don't think she's on Basketball Wives anymore. And she used to fuck with Chris Brown. Is that also? Oh, that's one. I and didn't know that. And she used to be a stripper. She used to be a lot of things. Yeah. And her clothing, her swim line is cute, whatever. And she's so, super, super hot still. She is. She's super cute. And she kind of asked for social media's opinion. So just remember, she asked for people's opinion and thoughts, and she wanted to have a discussion. She posted a screenshot um, of a text message between her and her son, and her son texted her saying, "Mom, are you for real? I didn't get a note card. I'm going. Uh, I'm not going to get any points." 
right? And she wrote, shaking my head, I'm going to write a rude note. She asks social media, let's discuss. My son has this four-minute speech he has to memorize and recite. Fine. Splendid. Now his teacher is requiring me to sign papers every day saying he's read the speech five times out loud and stuff. So over Thanksgiving break, I had to sign it 18 times and now it's still every day. Here's my point. I'm all for helping my child with his homework, but she has him harassing me for this speech and I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm hearing it two times a day for a month straight and I'm finna memorize it. I don't know why people speak like that. Okay. Not to mention the topic about American history isn't present as much in college education. So can you imagine what a snooze this thing is? Last night, he asked me to sign it, and I said, no, tell your teacher I'm done with this. And now he doesn't get points because I didn't want to sign it. It's, a, it's not my damn homework, but it feels like it is. What do y'all think? Hmm. And she wrote, I'm annoyed of signing it every day, and I'm not signing it. But, yeah. she's, on, but she's on social media showing her ass every day. She got no time But for you got time to post every day, at least right. twice a day, three times a day. Even if you're... And I'm... I'm not a parent. Anybody else? No. We're not parents? No parents here. But, first of all, why would you share this on social media? This is, this is, she's had bad history also in parenting before. She has a history where she left the child uh, at home one night and I guess left microwavable foods and the child, he called. she went out and the kid was like super underage. Yeah, he was underage, and I guess he didn't know how to microwave it, and so he called the police on himself <laughs> to come and help him, or something along those lines. But my thoughts on this, and social media ripped her apart. Rip, like, people were, like, putting memes of, like, oh, you being forced to do your son's homework. <laughs> uh, the mom, like, there's just, like, amazing, hilarious memes of, like, you have to see them. But my thought is, is it that, like... Yes, I remember these times when I had to have my mom sign every single day or like stupid things like that. My mom got I annoyed, know, I don't, but I she don't did it. I don't recall having to do that. I feel like I, I'm not saying that she's not being a dick by putting this on social media. I really think this is ridiculous that she even put this on social media. But I think that it's a lot to sign something every single day. I think as, a, as any adult, you will get annoyed if you had to hear somebody say the same thing five times a day, and then that sounds like a punishment. That doesn't sound like homework. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little extreme. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, just deal with it. You're a mother. You signed up for it. Like, why are you putting it up on your social? You know, you're gonna get slayed. Like in your previous history, like right. people know that you already have problems following through as a mother. People look at you like you're not necessarily the best mom. Anyway, why would you even bother saying it? Like, what did she, what did she expect to get out of that? Oh, girl, you're right. Don't sign that shit. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. like, right. Let him every, lose his points. Every mom probably feels the same way, but they all know that they got to sign it. It's their kids. So now you're going to put this kid really in a bad think, situation. I don't really I think, think any parent is like super enthusiastic about doing a bunch of like little kid shit all the time. Yeah. I think they all get annoyed. I feel like I can say that. Like, it's Everyone annoying. gets annoyed. The boy is telling you that he's losing. Like, you can tell the kid is upset he's losing points. Why he more worried about the fact that he's losing points than you are worried about the fact that he's losing points but why about his honest? grades? Why did you just sign that shit? Like, why is she wait, making him say it in front of her? Like, right. it's just, like, too honest. Like, shut up. She had her own receipts, too, which is stupid. Like, she was putting her own texts up there. Like, come on, man. 
Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if the like the kid wants, you could tell the kid wants to strive and get his points, right? He wants to continue his grades. Like, why would you not want to encourage that or not continue encouraging that? That's what I think. Like, you're you're telling him, oh, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it because you're not signing it, and he's losing points. So if he gets a grade he didn't want that he was pushing was so a hard bad for, move on her end. I think she should have thought this through. This one hundred percent. This didn't make her seem relatable. This made her seem annoying, and now I don't want to follow you. Like it's, it's made up. her seem like exactly the mother that she technically is. She's probably not a bad mom, guys. I feel like it's we can't be so trigger happy and calling people bad parents. We're, that's I don't, not I don't think a bad parent, but and on the education side of it, like if your child is drived and motivated themselves, yeah. I would expect my mom to be as oh supportive. We all know that better. the smartest kids that are the best in school are usually the ones that have the shittiest parents. Like, <laughs> so when it's he's like, "Come on, you know, what, you I mean? know what? He's just gonna develop an app. This motherfucker's gonna, be, like, gonna be a genius, okay? Because <laughs> I know I was sure the one who probably fabricated my signatures once. Yeah, I got good at it. I was gonna say, do you see this time is on Right, I got good at it. No, I figured out how to make that L perfect. To yes. look like my mother's, yeah. to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I just found it interesting that she put herself out here and thought this was gonna be an okay yeah, post. Yeah. I think she was trying to be relatable. No, I think she was trying wow. to. Be, she was trying to do that whole like moms let's unite type of vibe. Doing the most. Yeah, the other yeah. factor is like, can the teacher see this online? I'm pretty sure the teacher's pretty young and has social media and knows who you who you are. And, and your kid fails. And you're and you're like you could just be like you could have just you could have called me you could have but you have the teacher's email like, you can't even be honest anymore because like you know someone might see it I'm sure the that teacher sucks. saw this yeah that <laughs> no, was personal though like if you, it's your son's text like you put it out there it's, yeah. it's your fault you know what I'm saying it's your yeah fault. especially since the fact the kid is the one telling you like yo for real right, you now, got now you now his friends are gonna like you know clown, clown him you know what I'm saying like he's gonna go to school and his Friends, his teachers, his principals, they all know what happened, what was said now, you know. So really putting him in a bad place as it is. Right. Now he's going to get like, a cyberbullying. Look what you did, Drea. Okay. <laughs> they, like, they're probably looking up videos of you. Right. Tattoos on his face next. Yeah, they're looking up videos of him, of her and showing it to her kid. Like, look at your mom. Pulling no, up all the reality stuff. What about all the moms that have the three-year-olds right now? That are doing all this wild stuff online. Like, I wonder, what is the explanation? I don't know. That's all, that's another episode. That's another episode. <laughs> for real. Seriously. Like, it's a completely... Like, that's I feel like people are not thinking about that. What's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. All, all the stuff we're putting out there. Real sure. shit. I mean, I've recently have gone back on my Facebook and delete... Like, you know how Facebook has the memory thing? Yeah. You'll be like, that is not the shit that I want to remember. And you just, like, <laughs> delete. So can that's you, been helpful. You can delete the image? Yeah. Oh, okay. It just takes forever, you, though. It's slow. It's slow because you got to press details and it goes deep into some place. That's but really you can delete it. I Girl, there have been some ex-boyfriend posts. I'll be like, oh, that's still around. Delete. Wow, that's bad. That's that's not something I want to wake up to in the morning. And it's almost I like- definitely check social media when I wake up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's not the first thing you want to see. That whole memory thing just helps me clean out my Facebook. <laughs> that's all it is that's probably why they, they're they so damn smart that's probably why they make space it. make room right. get Very it out smart. the way and now that Facebook is almost 10 years over 10 years old there's a lot of wow. shit on there wow. wow I didn't realize that damn I'm old son 
remember yeah. when that shit came out. Right? Wasn't it around? I remember. I would definitely say 2002. No, no, no. Earlier than that? It's No, it's a little bit later. But six, seven, maybe? Seven was six or seven. Twitter came out in six, so in six. Okay, yeah. it was 2005 around that time then. Mm-hmm. I would say. I remember. I, but I MySpace, specifically... MySpace was around 2004, 2005. And then yeah. by... And Facebook was around... But only college, and only that's why college my college students. email right, right. is my login still to this day from community college. For most and then, people, it's still their college email. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, MySpace said, MySpace is what I need to figure out how to get into because there yeah. are some pictures. I got some pictures of somebody I was in love with back in the day. We need to take this shit down. <laughs> like, I don't know how to get into my MySpace. I don't know how to Someone's I don't probably know how to get catfishing someone right now with like my MySpace. Like real life. That's how it happens. <laughs> I need to figure out how to get in there. But well, I want to say thoughts. that this was an awesome way to wrap up our year because we have to make sure to take what we learned today from Jay Hatch and make sure to follow him at the mogul status on IG. Um, it's really important for you to kind of believe in yourself. That's what I took from this. Like you have to kind of like, you know, hyper focus on your one goal and execute that properly. And I feel like that's really good advice for those of us who are looking for a new fresh beginning or because in the tradition of new years, we all come up with a resolution. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important for us to set ourselves with some goals. And uh, I'm a very strong believer in that. I'm a strong believer in, in saying, by this time, I would like to have accomplished this. And even if it's small things, if you want to say, I would like to stop drinking coffee in the morning because I'm too addicted to caffeine, I'm going to start with doing it half a cup a day. Whatever it is, right. just move forward and improve yourself. And I'm a very strong believer in that. And I think that this has been the best way to actually wrap up our 2017 version of Messy Mondays because we're going to give all of our listeners a chance for the next two weeks. Okay, guys? I want you guys to catch up. I want you guys to listen to our old episodes. I want you guys to follow our social media pages, go on our Facebook page and read the questions that other people have participated in. And this is your time to familiarize yourself with the Messy Mondays and all of your feedback is very appreciated because then when next year comes around and 2018 drops, we're going to hit you with that fire. So I want <laughs> you guys to be very ready for that. Um, I want to say... As far as believing in yourself, I found a really cool quote. It says, have faith in your abilities without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers. You cannot um, be successful or happy without believing in yourself. So I think that's beautiful for the new year. And um, Mark, what is your New Year's resolution for our oh, podcast? Because no. we, <laughs> we have to hit them with the New Year's resolutions. For the podcast? For the podcast. Or for myself? Podcast okay. and yourself. Um, for myself, it's to just continue on the path that I'm on because things are happening out here in the hey. streets of Seattle. Um, for the podcast, um, oh, well, one already happened before 27, before which 2018, was Spotify? which was, we're officially on Spotify. Shout out to Spotify. <laughs> um, and to hit about. A hundred thousand listens nice. for twenty eighteen. That's a goal I like. So that's a goal. Put it out there, saying it out loud, so we have, uh, you know, put it in out there. Yeah, yeah. I believe in putting it out there. Sometimes because the only so way that it's gonna happen is if they listen. So yes, tell them. 
Yes. Absolutely. People start sharing, find friends. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited. Yeah, for, oh, for sure. 2018, a studio. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's yes, bitch. Say it again. Absolutely. A, a studio space. And what's yours? Uh, for my personal life, I, I think I'm going to invest in the brand of Show Me. And I feel like that's my my New Year's resolution as far as my personal thing. And um, I want to allow myself to accomplish everything I was meant to accomplish. Nice. I was meant to be great. So that's one thing for my own thing. And as far as the podcast, um, I think for the podcast, I want this podcast to be the only thing people talk about on Mondays. Nice. And that's the goal. And however long it takes for that to happen, that's what it's going to do. And if it happens in 2018, that's beautiful. But I want everybody, when they think of Monday, to say, yo, messy Mondays. And that's the whole United States of America. And I, that's my actual goal. <laughs> and until we get there, that's what it is. Jay Hatch, what's your uh, New Year's resolution? Oh, you man. Share? I don't really do the resolution thing. Um, for me, it's just, a, it's just a, a continuation of the year before and just getting better at whatever it is I'm doing. But I'm definitely putting the focus on myself this year more than anything, more than business, you know, health, um, just family, taking the time out to do the things that maybe I didn't realize were as important before I started my own business. So, you know, just just kind of like putting the focus back on me as an individual. I also have a docu-series and um, an audio book coming out top of the year that I'm putting a, a lot of focus on. So that's going to be something I'm doing. I'm also going to start writing my second book sometime in spring. And that's nice. more driven around um, like my like little mantras. Like I have all these like things about processes and people, and you know, like I feel like sometimes I, I can only teach somebody something through experiences that I've shared with them, as opposed to just talking at them. I try to talk with them and, and spark a conversation. So it's gonna be very like philosophical yet experience driven. Right. So. Send it my way. Gotcha. Yes, and the, the Messy Mondays uh, podcast will always support your stuff. So let us know. We'll Appreciate be more it. than happy to shout you out and to Thank let you. people know when things are dropping for sure. Yeah. Well, this was a great show. I feel very motivated for 2018, by mm. the way. So do I. This was perfect. I'm very hyped up. Thank you so much, Jay Hatch, for being on. Um, you do give me a lot of inspiration because I've changed industries recently. Um, so it's really fun and, and nice to hear from others how they've strived along and move forward. So thank you for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to follow us. Instagram, Messy Mondays Podcast. Don't forget to email us at MessyMondaysPod at gmail.com. And also don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Messy Mondays Pod. Absolutely. Every single like counts, every single share matters. And every time you guys listen, we grow. So thank you. Tell a friend and tell a friend. Exactly. <laughs> and Merry Christmas, everyone, and Happy New Year. I can't wait to talk to you guys in 2018. Me and Marley are going to have a wonderful little break because we also need to refocus and rebrand. And uh, I will hope everyone has a lot of great food for Christmas dinner and a lot of great champagne on New Year's Eve. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs>